Aloha! My name is Tifa. And I'm Rachel. And this is Nights, Nights on, on the Lanai. And we're back with a new episode. And today we will be doing episode 6 of volume 8 of Ruby, which is called Midnight. We said we'd do this episode 7 too, but we decided because we're probably going to be talking a very long time, we should split it up. Yes, because a lot happened. It was a fantastic... Episode 7 was fantastic. So we want to give it enough time without, uh, you know, burning your ears out. You know, yeah. dread- just pushing it out for so long. Um, and we're not actually on the lanai tonight. Um, there was a very scary bug. I don't know what it was. We thought it was a stink bug at first, but it definitely was not. It, I got a close close look at it, and I can assure you that it was weird. I refused <laughs> to go outside. I was like, Rachel... What is this? And being slightly tipsy, I was like, don't worry, I will kill this bug. And I hit it gently like a feather and it fell into the beach chairs. And now it's vanished and we decided to not play with fire and to record inside. Yeah. She was like, it's just going to fly away. And I was like, yeah, fly where? Onto my head? I think not. So... Right. We'll get straight into it. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. Uh, There's a lot of excitement to go on. (gasps) Woo! So put on your cowboy boots because we're going to town. Yeah! (laughs) A lot has happened. Wrangling up some theories. You know how it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's get into it. Episode 6. It was called Midnight. Mm. Why, why don't you start off, Rachel? Me. Um, so, Midnight began with the much-anticipated Cinder backstory. So, we get her basically scrubbing floors, as we saw in the opening of the first episode, but also crying. <laughs> Did and she cry in the first episode, too? Anyway. and No, we only saw scrubbing. Only scrubbing. Okay. So, we see her crying, which was sad, because I'm like, oh my gosh. And then we see that she's at this odd orphanage type of place that looked like other kids were beating her up, and she was the only one cleaning this weird barn situation. I know. It makes me wonder how did she come to be in that position in the first place. It really makes me think, was she, you know, if we're following the Cinderella theme, was she uh, the daughter to someone wealthy and, you know, that people didn't necessarily respect in completely maybe they had that view of like oh well he's super rich and like blah 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 and then when whenever something happened like and they took they had to take cinder in they just you know took it all out on her and they just put and that's how she like she got into her position i don't know that's just my thought i mean sins of the father you know maybe she who knows we haven't we don't know anything about her her family except that she's at this place at so a farm orphanage. Yeah, it was very odd setup. And then the woman walking, I was like, does she own this place? Or is she, obviously she went in to take her in. But to juxtapose Cinder's scrubbing with the woman walking by, I'm like, ooh, is it just like, you know, telling us that she's going to come and take her out? Or is it kind of alluding to the fact that, but I, I guess she didn't seem like she knew her, you know? She seemed like she kind of was surprised when she walked in front of this building, this grand luxury hotel that does not serve Faunus, um, which was in Atlas too. if we could see the um, 
like the the barrier around the back or, or the blue lighting that always makes me think it's atlas the the dust transporter whatever right. i don't know what it does like so i i assume this is an atlas so it connects to her last season when she was like you atlas elites are all the same and it's like maybe she's had experience with atlas elites like the man who took well kind of trained her and took her under his wing yeah i didn't even think about that it it my one of my initial thoughts too was that the woman perhaps could have owned the orphanage um i don't know how i came to that conclusion but i had the feeling um but yeah it was really it was really sad to see that those were her circumstances and she looked starved yeah dirty and just no one treated her fairly no respect for her she was literally dying. <laughs> literally. And I'm going to be honest, this felt the most fairy tale-ish. It did. So, so Cinder's backstory was, I think, the most presented. Not necessarily accurately, as because you know, I mean, she kills the, the set eventually. But I think it was presented in a way that was almost, it felt like a fairy tale. In, in a way that, you know, the other characters' illusions don't necessarily manifest with such a, such a, a telling that evokes that sense of storybookness, if yeah. that makes sense. That does make sense. This evoked a sense of I'm being told a story um, through her memories, and it was just very, very interesting. It did feel the closest to their what their characters were based on, like hers was hers was Cinderella, but um, compared to the other ones, like you said, it felt the closest to that. I totally agree. Um, what else you got for us? So, yeah, I, I also thought about the faunus, and I guess mm. it made me think about that was, I guess, the time when, I don't, if, if Cinder is 10 years old at this time, where Blake and um, Yang, or not Yang, well, I guess Yang, Blake and Weiss, the same age around this time? No, and Cinder's that, older than them. She's older. She's like in her 20s, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So, it just made me think of, like, you know, what Blake has been through with with Weiss's company specifically and mm. how they had this whole like war going on with the faunus being treated unfairly as well and so I just started to be like oh is, is there some connection here with them but that's me going way too far way too deep <laughs> no I mean me but I also just think it's just an, a, a showing you another example of how the society is you know back then and that was I mean fairly recently what maybe if Cinder's I don't know 25 or something maybe 24 that was 14 years ago so it's it's just that it feels like a long time ago, but that's still really recent for them to still hold these prejudices. And so, and and you obviously you can tell they're bad people because they have that sign out. So it instantly it sets you in this. Oh, these are not people that we would ever assume would be good people because they're already prejudiced and racist and or whatever you would call it, speciesist. I don't know. Right. And how is that going to play into Cinder's character? And yeah. How she is now today. Um, yeah, I, I think that it was exciting to see, like, I, I, I think that it was just set up really well to be like, oh man, Cinder's gone through such like horrible past. She's being treated unfairly. And then they introduce Rhodes, um, as someone who could potentially be her light to like bring her down the path of right, like justice and and not down a path of like darkness you know not going to the dark side 
Um, so it was really exciting to see that, but there was a lot of questions that I had about what Rhodes did specifically for Cinder. I just was confused. Like it, it makes, it makes her character awesome. But at the same time, I'm like, why did you have to do that Rhodes? Like, why did you think that giving her a sword be, you know, when she still had a few years left before she could actually get into Academy, how is that a good idea? When you already had an inkling that she was going down the dark side. Like, that didn't make sense to me. What did you think? I just thought that he was trying to help her in his own way. But it's also just like it wasn't enough. And I, I, I feel like I've said, I said this when we watched the episode or, or after or something. But, like, if I saw a literal child in a situation that of, of such heavy abuse, I'd probably be like, yo, I know it's, like, not cool. But I'm going to, like take you out of this situation and probably (laughs) put you with people who will treat you nicely or I will do my best to raise you as a person that will be good for this world because leaving someone in that I don't think (laughs) I just was like he's watching them shock collar her like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh I agree that's not good (laughs) he literally said I see that you're getting treated unfairly around here yeah oh you think yeah like and she's like are you fucking kidding me let me just cry some more what you know maybe that will give you your answer and he's like uh why don't i like uh you know teach you how to fight yeah here's a sword or two and i'm like oh this is great that's no that's not how you help a child and that i mean the the thing about it is like cinder had this to look forward to she's so she associated fighting with freedom because Rhodes offered her that path so he was like here you you you, i will teach you combat or whatever else you need to learn to be a a huntress because then you can join the academies and i'm doing great things for the world and like i get it and i don't know the laws and remnant i'm not going to think too deeply about it but I just think that the better path would have been to alert an authority figure who would have been able to intervene and protect her from this horrible family. Yeah. And then the way he said it was like, your guard, you don't need permission from your guardian makes me believe that they don't really have a system of policing these types of things. So I'm like, well, first of all, Atlas, that, that's where you failed. <laughs> it almost sounds like it's a common circumstance, yes. a common situation for a lot of people and that... What? Going to academy is their way out, is their answer. But I I think I yeah, it's it's just interesting. Um, you know, he tell there's a lot of interpretations I think you could take away from it, but when Rhodes says you can't you can hurt them, but you're always going to be running away if you do, or you can take a different route. And I mean, to me that's you know, to anybody that's pretty obvious, but to a kid who's holding so much anger you can take that in so many different ways oh my god yeah that's what we ended up seeing when you know he gifted her the sword as uh you know a sign of freedom and protection that she ends up killing the evil stepmom and the sisters and says i don't have to run away anymore and took it that way and i'm like man i mean you're a badass villain now but and I think That's it's so a complicated hard. message to send to to a kid. Like, hey, take take it. Just just take it and then you'll be free. And it's like, uh, that's just bad because like that 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 trains that child to be like, oh, okay, like I deserve this punishment. I I 
I can get through this. Like, no, 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 you shouldn't have to get through that. You shouldn't be experiencing this. Like, so it's just like this odd messaging where I'm like, it, like, just deal with it. Deal with the lot that you have in life. You can't get out of it until you're 17 years old and all of this childhood <laughs> trauma has already solidified as future problems you're going to have. Yep. And I'm like, it just doesn't make any, I mean, I, it's just, it blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. No. But I have to say that fight scene was That was great. As the music Oh, so interesting. My one, oh, I need to stop saying interesting. That's my thing, guys. Um, one of the parts that really got to me about that was the music involved. And so Cinder's revelation is finally being this person who, quite frankly, snapped because of all of this. I can't even imagine them. I would have fucking, like, ran away. Like, not that she could have. I'm just saying, like, that's the impulse you have is to get out of that situation, to preserve yourself, to protect yourself survival instinct and it's like so as much as i'm not cool with murder (laughs) let me solidify that i also think it's very complicated when you're what 15 or 14 and having this situation where you have no other recourse but and she didn't kill them with the the sword either she strangled them which is interesting because that's how they were basically holding her hostage was through a shock collar I don't know if that was a, a purposeful kind of juxta, juxtaposition. No, that's but, a great cat. And also, these stepsisters were absolutely horrid. And I, I say that in a way where I'm like, I know like mean people exist. I've witnessed it. But that was a whole different level for them to look at a 10-year-old and go, hey, let's beat up on her. Like, oh, she's starving? <laughs> Let me just eat in front of her while she can't. Like, there's like... No vindictive, if that's... They're psychopaths. Yes. Like, it's like, it's just, I I was like, this family is absolutely fudged. And the mom was like, she's dropping my towels. If I was at the hotel, I would literally be like, holy crap, they're so mean to this worker. She needs, she needs intervention. (laughs) Like, jeez, like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, but I guess that goes back to uh, what we were saying earlier that I guess it was just a commonplace thing. Like, I guess. You know, kids all around get having abusive relationships and then I mean, they I, go to academy. I say I'll interfere, but at the same time, I saw, I was, I heard girls screaming behind me at the bus stop. Listen, they were just screaming about something that they read on their phone or like a bug because I looked and they were smiling, screaming. But I was, my first <laughs> instinct was, oh my God, what is happening? And I, vaguely turned around terrified that someone was getting attacked because I'm like I can't act I do not have the strength so at the same time I'm like if I did witness like a a situation that was very complicated there would have to be some kind of back door in which I would engage in it especially a situation if I frequented this hotel bar (laughs) to be like hey hey cops or or whatever equivalent you have an atlas Please intervene. <laughs> That's why I really want to get those things that I keep seeing on Instagram or Snapchat. It's like these little keychain things that you have that look like it could be a, a lighter or something or like lipstick. I don't know. And then Are you, they just, swords? you just unscrew one end and it literally like a freaking staff like pops out 
10 miles an hour and I want to I just want to have that because like if I don't have the strength in that situation I want my hands to fumble enough that it just pops out by accident and, and gets the guy sh- yeah you get him <laughs> oops sorry not sorry <laughs> I, I was thinking about this today I'm like as much as heroism is so ingrained in me as like a frequent anime shonen watcher I'm like oh oh I would be Deku running into that swamp monster <laughs> to save Bakugo I'm me also too. like one time when I was going to groceries at 8 a.m from Safeway I witnessed two men in the park start brawling and I had no clue what to do because I was hungover I'm a woman and I was terrified that if I intervened these men would be like stop intervening and and turn on there was nobody around so someone nearby them had already called the cops because they witnessed me staring and they were like we did it it's okay (laughs) and I almost cried (laughs) from the relief of being like Oh, I didn't have to intervene. And so sometimes I'm like, I, as, as like at night, if I'm walking and I hear people shouting to, if I hear men's voices shouting, I tend to just not look because (laughs) my initial reaction is fear. (laughs) I wonder sometimes why it's so scary for us to just even call the police when we think something bad is happening. I'm like, is it because I've heard so many, you know, like, prank calls and the negative reactions and maybe they don't take people seriously that that scares me or that they're gonna be like why are you calling for this this isn't an emergency (laughs) and I'm like oh sorry (laughs) he literally has a knife and he's gonna burn down this apartment ma'am calm down this is normal (laughs) oh is it is it is it is it it's uh, it's it's just something I thought about today when I was like, oh my god, if these girls had been dying and I had kept walking, by God, I would have felt guilty. But there was a bug at the bus stop oh. that I I saw, and I was like, oh, they're safe, it's fine. But but in the back of my mind, I was like, would I have done anything? <laughs> would I have just sprinted away? So I think Atlas right now is just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, uh, this is you know they'll be fine. Uh, we'll see them in Academy in like ten years. <laughs> like that's the thing is they're like and I always joke too because I'm like oh wow I can't imagine living in Victorian London when orphans were just giving you newspapers and you had to be like oh here's a penny (laughs) you're starving orphan take the penny like there was just like a a natural like oh the kid's dead I didn't whatever like walking along (laughs) I I feel like there was like this oh yeah you witnessed a lot of horrible things in a city that was just like cluttered with and now I'm like, oh my god, if I witnessed, and yet I do see people sleeping, and I'm like, are they dead? And I'll stop, and I'll look, and I'll be like, what do I do? Everyone is walking but me, and I'm like, oh, I have the sole responsibility for this other human. And then they move, and then I walk away. It's hard. It's a hard time, you know. Anyway, I, I just now, I know that's a rant, but yeah. by God, it's been on my mind lately. <laughs> it's a it's a hard topic to tackle. Like you know, our society now is really. Anyways, I've witnessed a lot of bar fights, <laughs> and I never intervene because. Okay, that's scary though. No. That's like asking to go into a mosh pit in in the in a concert. My God, it's like let's go. This looks like fun. Punch, punch, punch come out with a couple teeth locks and just <gasps> black guy. Yeah, that was totally fun. Worth it. I mean, maybe I, I remember. No, it's th- not. 
No. Totally oh joking. I would never go into mosh pit. <laughs> I have friends who do. Anyway. So I wanted to say... <laughs> I wanted to say that after the fight scene, which was epic and the music was amazing. Yes. So the music. Oh, yes. Continue. Is, um, so Casey Williams is also part of a band called OK Goodnight. And it, their song, um, Day and Night, popped up on my Spotify Recommends. And it's really good. And so I listened to it because the guitar solo is just nice. And like her voice, it's just it's a good song. And then this is apparently one of their songs in the new, their new um, I don't know if it's an EP or just a release single. But it, I, I, it's, I'm pretty sure it's called Awake. I could be wrong. But yeah, that's really cool to see her band or a band that she performs with have music in the show. I so. loved the sound of it. Like I want to work out and have my own fantasies go on with her music in the background please, please walk me through what one of your fantasies would be in the background um um not now but like i'll tweet about it high heel crime fighting yes okay definitely cool. that's all i ever want is or high just heel some kind fighting. of yeah crime fighting being a badass motherfucker just like you know saving people or, or you know whatever the usual as i leave fantasies. a burning building yes exactly and you don't look back because you don't never look back because i don't want to be involved in that <laughs> so aside from the badassery of the fight scene i yes. i so it was sad to see Rhodes die but yeah. you know eh, he didn't really try to Yo, man, you dessert. No, I'm kidding. Like, you all the moves for your bad assery. And then dead. So then she looks into the moon, which we thought, like, changed or something. <laughs> when the moon turned, Tiff and I looked at each other. We were like, whoa, it's going back together now. And it's definitely just shifting. <laughs> it, yeah, it just rotated. Whoa, it's you know. gathering now. What is on the moon? Oh. Like, like moons usually do. Yeah. <laughs> But she looked up into the moon, and she was crying. Obviously, a lot yeah. of stuff just happened. That was intense. But that was that was a look, man. It was a look, and and then she smiled. And the first time around when I watched this, I couldn't help but think back to how Penny did the same exact thing. Uh, she wasn't really crying, but she was looking at the horizon. She was looking at the moon, and it was almost like she was, you know, maybe not making a wish. I know I said that in the last podcast, but like thanking the gods or something which the gods have to do a lot with the moon that she has gotten her freedom now she is finally free from this abuse and these these bars that are holding her back like or cage i should say um and penny did the same thing and in in penny's case i guess you could say that like her dad pietro um petroleum (laughs) stop i knew you were gonna say that Petroleum jelly was like no, you can't go. I don't know if that's how jelly would sound like if it could talk. No, I thought that's what Pietro sounds like in general. (laughs) Both, both. So she was, you know, Penny was finally like, no, I can do this. I can protect people, and I'm about to help send this message out to the world. I am free to make my own choices and act on my own and have people acknowledge me as something more than a robot. Snaps for Penny. Yeah. And then Cinder's like, yeah, I'm free too. And I ain't ever going to run away. But then, wow, snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she's, uh, yep, back with Salem. Yeah. 
Ooh. So, so we have episode six basically all Cinder for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then Cinder arrives. Well, she wakes up in Atlas and Emerald is like, oh my God, Cinder. And Cinder's like, why the hell <laughs> are we back in this cavernous whale's mouth? <laughs> this moist room. <laughs> and, and Emerald's like, you were like hurt and I wanted to help you. And then she's like, oh, we failed. I'm pissed. And then Mercury walks in and he's like, hey, Salem's got a job for me. I don't defer to you anymore. And by the way, Emerald, Cinder don't give no shits about you. And Cinder's just like, everyone leave me alone. It just makes me wonder. Oh, 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 okay, never mind. You said Cinder. Um, I just, what did you think about Emerald's relationship with Cinder? I, I mean, I think at this point she really reveres her or maybe even loves her. Like, she might really like view it as one of the stable relationships in her life honestly because she came from nothing yeah be a thief on the street and now she has this person who's always been stable and an anchor to her and so i feel bad in the sense that i wish cinder understood how much she meant to emerald and 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 in the sense that i wish that she knew her value to someone else who perhaps she will eventually not view as a tool and I wish Emerald understood that she deserves someone to care about her more than Cinder right now does. I think she will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about episode seven <laughs> and the genie and the lamp. Ooh. Well, the Aladdin and the 40. Okay. You know, yep, we'll talk. Yep. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. But I definitely agree with you. Um, at first, though, I was really frustrated and annoyed that emerald idolized cinder so much there was just so much dependency and it makes sense Mm -hmm. because emerald did pick her up from you know when she was just scraping off of nothing and didn't have anybody and so i get that that makes the most logic you know logical sense that that's what their relationship would be like but it's still frustrating at the same time because it's like you never just want to see someone ignoring all the obvious signs and people literally saying that, like, the you are an asset to this person and nothing else. And just ignoring that and, you know, putting yourself into, like, further, more hurt, you know? You're setting yourself up for more tragedy later down the road. But, yeah. But like, I started to realize that, you know, like, that will build emerald's character into becoming a stronger person because she will eventually realize that you know yes that might be what she is to cinder right now but that'll help her like grow as a person Mm -hmm. and maybe help cinder in in a different sense and stop like idolizing her and becoming her actual friend Ooh, very true that's what they need is they need to be fucking friends because in the midst of salem's whole whale party <laughs> it's just like miserable in there everything's wet there's grim falling out of the ceiling i just feel like it's not a good setting for anyone to have a good mental situation so to have friends that you can turn to and be like oh my god i was going to the bathroom last night and this weird grim snake came out of jellyfish? the drain you mean jellyfish <gasps> i saw that in the shower like i oh. feel like there would be a lot of <laughs> A lot of, like, relations that you could discuss about this weird... First of all, I do have questions about the toiletries within this grim whale. 
I mean, they're all <laughs> unicorns. They don't need to be. Oh, tr- what even I'm is that? They valid. don't. They don't go to the bathroom. Valid. Neither do women. Of course, we've never done anything <laughs> gross in our lives. We don't poop. As I burped in Tiffany's face like twenty minutes ago. Anyway, I only vomit rainbows. I only and I only pee positivity. <laughs> That's great. Yep. Snaps to that. Vomiting rainbows. That's what we do. So okay, so we have Mercury, Emerald, the trifecta. Then oh, it's- and just just the fact that Cinder's framing as they leave that is alone. Alone in the room with her hands out on the grim mouth chair. I don't know. Kind of just like... Back in another cage. Yes. And, and, and the lighting is just making it seem like she is definitively isolated herself from everyone. Um, I think that'll be important later. And we do definitely see a flashback like really soon after that. Um, so the next part is that we go to the unfortunate beating up of a little kid named Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't bring me back there. And Hazel, the little, the big buff bastard. No, wait, I'm going to get episode seven and six confused because there were two conversations and we watched them both at the same time. Well, we just watched them again. So six? Well, in six, Ozpin, it switches over to Oscar and Ozpin and Ozpin is talking to Oscar uh, about you know like switching over because he's being beat up so much and like you know let him handle the situation for a little bit and Oscar's trying to say no we're so close maybe we could infiltrate and then they say that like at the same time yeah they like, do they say um you know maybe we should do the same like go from within and try to break it up and that's kind of where it entered the scene and I thought that part was really creepy and sad and I didn't want it to happen, but we all knew it was going to happen because it makes you wonder, well, how long have they been saying some of those things at the same time? And I'm sure that's something Oscar is really worried about. And in one of the previous episodes when he was you know, telling Ozpin himself, I never wanted you to come back at all because he was probably worried about this happening. He doesn't want to accept that fate. He doesn't mm, want to become yeah, exactly. one with Ozpin and lose himself. And it's just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay, Tiffany. <laughs> He'll become... Ozpin will eventually fade away. That's my two cents. It's been two cents Tuesdays. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're welcome. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's disconcerting how... They are like-minded souls. That's the point, is that Ozpin rein- well, reincarnates or attaches himself to a like-minded soul. But how like-minded before they become the same is the, always the question. And then from there, we see them basically formulate this small plan to convince Salem's followers to not follow her anymore. Hey, knock it off, kids. <laughs> By starting with the hardest one to convince. Which we learn, we'll learn about well, Hazel in seven. So well, maybe it's hard. Ha- yeah. Hazel was just, um, yeah, we'll get to Hazel. But next, we basically. Well, he said something important to Hazel. In the in six? In six. What did he yeah. say? He made him realize that, uh, you know, he basically told what Salem's plan was. Is this where Hazel mentioned how much he'd killed Salem? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that was important. I keep thinking that's in seven. 
he was like, she's a force of <clears throat> nature. You can't deal with her. Blah, blah, blah. I've seen her firsthand. <laughs> Let me beat you up some more. And, and yeah, so he was saying that. And then basically Ozpin was being like, don't you see that she's using you because of this reason? Like of, of like revenge. She basically made you believe that this is what you needed. But is it actually like helping you? And then end scene. Cut scene. I forgot. No, that's so, that's absolutely. And I thought what's interesting is that we're finally revealed that Hazel isn't just in it for the revenge of Gretchen's death. Because, I mean, obviously that's the motivator behind it. But that he actively attempted to kill Salem multiple times and failed. And then he was like, well, I guess at this point, can't beat him. You got to not beat him anymore. <laughs> you got to well just... work for him. Yeah, so I think that was a very interesting realization for him and for his character for us to see as this guy who was out for revenge but then just kind of acquiesced to the idea of well I guess I'll join her now there's no other option because everything else is if I go against her I'll die if if anyone goes against her they'll die and I saw what happened when my sister went against her so it's kind of this this just settling into the evil. I feel like he just settled in. So he might be an easy one to prick out of there, like a barnacle on a if on he was so a, easy a boat, to switch to the dark side. Shove it in there. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta get it off. And then maybe maybe a little maybe a little shovel help. Yeah. I think it also shows how how easily Salem can manipulate people to to believe in her like end goal. And maybe not easily, but I don't know. She's, she has finesse. She finesses the situations of her followers. Does. Except for Tyrion. He's just like, I love you. And she's like, I'm not even going to do any work. You're just, you're just going to love me no matter what. I could literally like take your arm off and you'd be like, yes. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> you masochistic freak. Like, this is perfect. <laughs> this is exactly what I want to follow. Yep. <laughs> Little cat following around. Oh, God. Whatever. But like. Yeah, and and the next scene we get is them all sitting basically at her command center, mm-hmm. um, and Breaking her news. Yeah, and Neo's just there, like fudge <laughs> again. I am here. The hound is sniffing at me. It's creepy and it's dripping on my nice shoes. I like how they put them separate. I mean, yes. I know they're Cinder's assets and subordinates, but I like that they distinguish them that way because it makes me think that. You know, later on, they're just going to break apart from this whole evil, evil Knievel group. <laughs> is, he, is he really evil, Knievel? Is evil Knievel really evil? <laughs> or does evil Knievel just do tricks? Apparently, is that is that Jackass dudes? No, he's like the original iteration of like Jackass. Like, uh, evil Knievel is like the stunt master extreme, I'm pretty sure. Okay, he ain't so evil. So, so anyways, uh, evil group, you know, they gonna break away and they're gonna be like, fuck these people, they don't treat me well, let's go fight with Ruby, yay! <laughs> and then you'll get real friends and we're all like, you deserve. Yes. And Neo, I feel like Neo would be a hilarious addition because she just would just be like, whatever, guys. Like, I don't think I don't think Neo wants. Let any me of just this. Mary Poppins my way out of this. Shit. Literally, <laughs> she just wants to fuck off to a corner of Remnant and have her own crime empire. And frankly, I say, go for it, sweetie. Yes. Go for it, queen. <laughs> go off. And the thing, so interesting about you're saying about Salem being a good manipulator. Yeah. Is when Cinder was on the floor. Basically, she was torturing her with a grim arm. Yes! 
Sorry, I was silently saying yes. Would you like to walk us through that scene? No, please, you say it. I have comments. Yeah, she was basically torturing her with a grim arm. And then she... And then we're, we witnessed that flashback to her being shocked. And it's like a whole nother collar that she has, basically. Except this one's her arm, which is really hard to remove without mortal danger. <laughs> and so Salem eventually almost realizes this and says, you know what? I've been unfair to you. I want you to achieve your goals as much as I want you to achieve mine. So in order to help you do that, I'm going to lift you up instead of breaking you down i just ha i just thought of a theory oh please so i like i agree exactly what you said those were my initial thoughts i was like oh she she realizes somehow or maybe she knew of her backstory somehow and was like let me manipulate you let me manipulate you into Thinking that we're the same, but actually not quite, because I'm gonna I'm gonna lift you up and let you achieve your goals. But my theory is that she knows Cinder's backstory and her feelings about all of that because of the Grim Arm. I oh, feel like somehow yeah. she is connected with the Grim because she like she fell in the <clears throat> river, right, and she controls them and stuff. But I think somehow maybe she could sense like all of Cinder's like emotions around that and her connection to the past and like you know, I'm nothing without you or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that's how she was able to manipulate her so well to be like, follow me because I'm not the same as that stepmom you killed. I will lift you up. Even though you feel like you're in a cage, that's not what it is. I'm actually here to bring you to your greatest potential. I'm your fairy godmother. Ooh. I'm going to give you a whole new blue dress to wear to the ball. And a carriage a made of grim dress. arms. <laughs> Made of skeletons. I want a skeleton carriage. Of your enemy. Your enemy's bones. Yes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, anyways. No, I think that's hella important. It might totally be exactly what... Because somehow she she has connection. She has connection with the Grimm, with Monstra, with the Hound. She knows things that she couldn't necessarily know without like being connected to them. I feel. I feel you. No, I think that's true. And then we get so 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 that's that's I think that's an important point is that however this manipulation is happening, it has happened. And either that's going to be something Cinder is like, "Yeah, thank you. I'm going to accept your help." Or she's going to be like, "I don't trust that. Uh-uh, that sounds sus to me." Either way, we're going to see something with Cinder's character evolution. But after that, it's like they all are like, well, what's happening now? And Salem's like, just watch what I do. And her Grim River basically vomits a column toward Atlas and infiltrates the ground because Atlas is just rock on the bottom. And all these uh, sentinels, the centipede-looking guys, are they curl out and they attack Atlas's defensive mechanisms that put up the, the force field. And they bring it down, and then Monstro beaches himself on the shores of Atlas. It's not Monstra. Monstra, sorry. It's Monstra. Yeah, better be. <laughs> Yo, that girl, she can beat herself she anywhere. She ain't no man. It's a Monstra. She's going to beat herself on Atlas. She's going to do it. <laughs> yeah, so she does that, and then we're left watching her vomit up Grim on the shoreline. Not shoreline, I'm just using. 
fields of barreled hay, vomiting grim, and we are left watching the grim rise from the black abyss. And Rachel brought up a really good point when we were watching it. Um, I stood up and I circled the two. No, I'm kidding. And it's just, it's like, oh, come on, guys. And, you know, they have to do something. But it's still just like, you you wonder, how do they break into the defenses so easily? And Rachel was pointing out how she had heard that in just looking at it, too, you realize, like, the, the like, beacons that are, you know, uh, projecting this force field are on the outside of it, so they're very vulnerable and can just be attacked and taken down. And there goes the force field. It's like, what's what's the point of that? Why would you do that? I mean, you could have an internal sabotage as well, but like at least for the most part, you can defense. You can have more defenses around those. But but if you put the force field outside, you're susceptible to attacks that will happen on the outside, which is what the force field is supposed to prevent. <laughs> Sorry. I had so a that was a good point. But I want to backtrack a little bit because we did forget about um, the ace ops running into mm. uh, Ren, <clears throat> Yang, and Jean. Um, they basically heard their call for help, their SOS. Um, and, you know, that was right before the, the giant geyser of Grim River. <laughs> <Old> faithful <laughs> just burst up. Oh, faithful. And, uh, and I thought this was really interesting. I thought this was really great. <laughs> yeah, let me redirect that. I thought this was really great because, um, you know, they they come down, they talk to, you know, the gang and whatever, and the Aesop's Harriet was being real annoying, you know, and just immediately talking was about Elm. Penny. Well, Elm was fighting before they heard the SOS. Okay, I was trying to see who it was in that scene. I was like, is this Elm talking or Harriet? For some reason, I couldn't differentiate. Yeah, they were, like, bickering with each other. And okay. then Winter was like, act like adults. And they shut up. <laughs> and then they went down, and Harriet was, like, you know, listening to everybody, you know, be like, oh, my God, the Grim River is going to fucking attack everybody. Yeah. People are dying. And she's like, where the fuck is Penny? Excuse my French. I'm cussing a lot. <laughs> Good. No. This is and, not explicit anyway. And it was just very frustrating, but, you know, uh, or maybe I'm thinking of episode seven. But anyways, it was very interesting to, you know, see their obvious, like, there's just no empathy right now with Ace Ops in, in certain things that they should have more emotions towards. And, like, all they can think about is following orders and when they're presented with something important that maybe they should make independent decisions aside from Ironwood and and Winter, because they're following Winter. But I think, you know, if they had to make, um, you know, voice their concerns about maybe doing something different, Winter would totally follow through. Like, you see a lot of doubt right now with her and Ironwood and, and what he's doing. You know, she was following him for so long that there was just a lot of... Um, I don't know what the right word is I'm looking for, but uh, there's a lot of potential here for these characters to evolve into something more than just robots and falling. <laughs> not not that Penny is one. I mean, she is one, but you know, they're they are more of a robot than Penny is, and um, and so uh, it makes me wonder, like, you know, what's gonna happen, which. We will talk about in episode seven. I really think that the the scene of you 
the conflict between their priorities, you know, Harriet and Ace Ops just following orders, trying to find Penny, and then versus the concern of, you know, people dying from <laughs> grim geysers. Hey! <laughs> that, uh, and then making independent decisions. Uh, I think you could go and talk about Ren here a little bit and the, how he could be. You know, they don't really show him at all. It's just mm-hmm. kind of the groups seeing everything and witnessing everything. But I think it's important to kind of think about, you know, since the last episode or, or two episodes ago, he was showing so much concern and anger and frustration about people just doing whatever they want. I think that we could look at this situation now in episode six and say that he's taking this all in and he is seeing decide of how people are taking orders and what that is getting them where that is getting them and and this will help him to to confirm his frustrations and his thoughts and and how he should go about making decisions or people making decisions who he should follow uh and and becoming maybe a leader or something and and speaking out for everybody else and maybe they will listen to him because Maybe he's got some great ideas that he's never ever voiced, and he will he's quiet. lead a group. Yeah, I think, and we, so we've seen episode seven, but um, this is just breaking it up so it's easier to digest. But I think so. Knowing knowing episode seven, it's 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 it, it, true. Like in retrospect, it's like oh yeah, Ren's probably taking all this in and like totally like whoa, wait a second, I was you until I. Realized mm. I was not going to drink that Kool-Aid anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. And, and, and so, looking at how all of these characters... Like, when, when Yang first sees them and she's like, Oh my god, it's you guys. Like, obviously there's not any goodwill between these characters. And Winter, I thought, would be a buffer in a way that she's Weiss's sister. But even Winter's appearance, because we, we or, or the characters, know Winter to be this very stalwart, steady Ironwood follower... And interestingly, um, I hope this was... Nope, this is in episode 7. But I'll just mention it anyway. When Ironwood's like, the fugitives are the priority. And it's like, no concern for anything else. Just like Harriet's like, where's Penny? No concern except for the directions being sped, like fed to them through the speaker in their ear. And it's just very interesting to see that there's this dynamic where I think everyone's just tired of these directions. They're like, I, they can't function like that. You know, it takes a lot of energy to suppress your emotions. Yeah. And I think that they are at their limits right now. We say this from experience. Really, though? It's way easier said than done to just shut off your emotions and be be just completely, what's the right word? Like, just dead to the world. (laughs) And Like, this is fine, dog. This this is is fine. So I think they're at their limits and they can't take this, you know, this ideology of the way that you can make the correct decisions is by shutting off your emotions. And maybe this is playing into episode seven. Um, We can go into further detail there, but there's a lot of interesting, there's a lot of great things that you can, you can take apart from that. Episode seven was fudging good, guys. But, so prepare yourself. Yes, so we're going to talk at length about it. That's why we figured we'd break it up, because we're going to talk a lot about Seven, and it might be a lot longer. So listen at your leisure. Leisure? Leisure? Le- however you say that word. 
Um, I know it's leisure, but at the same time, I've heard leisure so many times, and I don't know if it's said ironically. Anyway, we'll get off that topic of pronunciation because I fail at that very often because I read a lot of words, but I don't know how to say them. We always say it in our heads, but not out loud because we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Is it ration or is it ration? Is it issue or issues? No, it's ration. I don't know. Is it what? Issue or issues? Issues? No, no. Is it issues or issues? Issues. I know, but my dad says issues. No! And it bothers the crap out of me! (laughs) I literally had a five-minute argument with him of us just going back and forth. Issues, 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 issues. And I was like, damn it, no! It's issues! And he was like, ha! (laughs) I made you say it. I was so mad. (sighs) Anyways... Uh, this brings us to the end of yes. episode six. Stay tuned for the next episode, which we will be, or the next podcast, we'll be talking about episode seven. Um, if you have any comments, any feedback, some theories you want to shout out at yeah. us, tweet us at ats, 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 <laughs> at Knights Lenai. There's a lot of S's being said in the past, like, two minutes. Slippery seals are super Sally cute. sold seashells by the seashore. Sally sells seashells. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Okay, but you gotta say it fast. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. <laughs> I can't do it fast. Tweet us at at nights lundi with... Anything y'all want to shout out to uh, to us? Yeah. Theories, whatnot. Um, we'll have another poll coming up, so keep an eye out for that. Those are fun, and that that that's it. Aloha. Have a great night and be safe. Yes. Take care of yourselves. Um, and yeah, we'll be back uh, soon for episode seven. See you guys.